everybody. Welcome to From the Sidelines. My name is Noah Tyree, and I'm here with Chad Davis, Devin Davis, and Josh Duvall. How's it going? How's it going? And today, we got an interview. Feel free to follow us on our Instagram and Twitter, at TheFTSPod. Don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube accounts. Send in questions or comments to us at TheFTSPod at gmail.com for our mailbag segment. And be sure to visit our website, from thesidelinespod.home.blog, to read our latest articles and keep up to date with episodes. All right, and now we welcome on former Kentucky and Boston College quarterback Patrick Tolles. How you doing, man? Doing well. Real well, you know, enjoying uh, two big wins by the Eagles and Cats this past weekend. So it's been a good good start to the week. Yep, yep. We all we all went to the Toledo game. It was it was a good game. Yeah, I, I was in I was in Louisville, um, but I was sitting at a pool watching it, eating buffalo chicken dip. So oh, that's the that's the way to do it. Can't Sounds be, like you had a better time than we did. Yeah, if you can't be in the stadium, I think that might be the next best place to be. Things, uh, I, I was gonna say, I wish I had a pool to jump into it. Well, at that game. I know. It's looked hot, man. Especially on that turf. All right. So, I'll get things kicked off. Uh, why don't you tell us about how you got started playing football? You know, gr- growing up, you know, my older brother played just tossing football at his practice. Just, but I just played football like I played everything else, you know, basketball, baseball, soccer, volleyball, golf, everything. And then as I kind of got older, um, uh, I guess the first time I played tackle football would have been in third grade um, when I played center. Um, and, yeah, but just, just just loved it. Just loved being competitive and being, around, being on a team and just really, really enjoyed it. And then I guess maybe 15, 16 years later, here we are. But um, just love it. Love being on a team. Love competing. And, um, yeah, can't get enough of it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, speaking of starting to play football and getting a good start on it, I had read where you had played center. What was the transformation like from center to quarterback? What, what kind of conversation led to that? Well, and I was, gosh, it was third grade, right? So, like, <laughs> just, doing kind of just playing where they told me to play, really. Um, and then, um, you know, getting into my freshman year. So, at Highlands, we had a full freshman football team, and it was like, gosh, you know, probably 75 kids because everybody just loves football there. And I was the backup quarterback. Like, it wasn't even good enough to be a starter on a freshman team. And I was, like, thinking to myself, you know, like, what what college quarterback? Because I wanted to play college ball at Kentucky my whole life. Didn't start on a freshman team, right? I kind of had to come to Jesus' home because the end of the year, the offensive line coach came up to me and asked if I could kick step. Like, he wanted to move me to tackle. And I was, like, you know, that's never happening. So, I've got to I've gotta put some work in. So, um, so, yeah, I guess the conversation – about moving to tackle really motivated me because I never wanted to play offensive line ever. That's certainly the motivation all you need. I couldn't take it. Those D linemen hands on me the whole game, man. I could not. No, and they just sweat so much and oh, no thanks. <laughs> so you, you kind of followed in the footsteps of Jared Lorenzen and I'll get to him later, but you played at Highlands just like Jared and then as well as Kentucky. Um, one Mr. Football. So what kind of led to you finding out that you wanted to pursue a career in football potentially? Yeah, I don't know. I think, gosh, I probably like playing basketball more. You know, there's a, there's a lot more freedom in, on a basketball court, I feel like, than I was on a football field. But, um, yeah, I just think I was just good at it, I guess. I mean, it could pay for my school. Um, but I did love it. I mean, I loved like I said, I loved being on a team, loved being in the locker room, um, just enjoyed the camaraderie. So 
when I got an opportunity to do that at Kentucky, uh, you know, school where my parents met, um, you know, where my sister was at school at the time and, you know, where I grew up going to football games and tailgating in the Central Baptist parking lot, it all kind of came together. Um, I remember they might have been my third or fourth offer, um, and I think I committed like two weeks later. Um, yeah, just really, really loved my time there. All right, so looking back on your collegiate career, being Kentucky or Boston College, is there a specific game that you can choose to be your favorite? Um, yeah, you know, I think you know, um, at Boston College, we played Connecticut at senior night and beat the crap out of them. That was fun. I played great. And then uh, we went to Florida and we played them to three overtimes, even though we lost. I mean, that was really my first kind of like big-time college football moment. Um, I kind of think like, okay, I can I can really do this and be successful at it. So even though we lost, you know, just I always love playing away games more than I like playing at home, just from the standpoint of just making, you know, eighty five thousand people, you know, seem like it's a funeral. Yeah. That's gotta be a good feeling. Yeah, I really, really I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's fun. You should have been the quarterback to break the Florida streak. Y'all got cheated out of that one. Well, yeah, I mean I'm not gonna argue, I'm not gonna sit here and argue with you about it. Um yeah, man, I – yeah, gosh. I remember, you know, just – I think we were 17-point underdogs, I think, or something like that going into the game. And, of course, you know, my high-strung self was like, 17, like, that's nothing. We're going to win, of course. Uh, and then, yeah, I got – I remember I got I got beat up pretty good in the first half. I mean, just – I got smoked on a – on a, uh, I threw a ball to Timmons, and it got batted down, and I got blown up and, like – you get up and your sternum cracks like an accordion. You're like, oh boy, here we go. And I remember, I remember going into halftime and asking Jim Madalena, who was our trainer. Uh, I was like, Jim, I said, you know, I told him what happened. I was like, can you do anything for this? He said, well, I can give you about four Advil. He said, there's a bathroom down there, and he said, I would go pray as much as he can before you go out to the second half. I said, all right, so <laughs> sounds good. And yeah, and then that trip, yeah, that sucked. Um, yeah, people always send me, like, whenever we like, Florida week, they always send me screenshots of, like, this has already happened, like, I had the clock on zero, and it would have been nice to get that one. But Well, uh, going back from Kentucky to Boston College, what was the move like to go from the SEC to the ACC like that? You're talking, like, football-wise or just kind of everything? Everything involved with it. I probably should have specified myself better. Yeah, so I would say, say football-specifically. Um, very similar. I mean, you look at a team like Clemson. I mean, I, we played them and, you know, at Florida State. And, um, I would say probably environment-wise, comparable. Um, Size-wise, I don't think comparable, but speed-wise, comparable to the SEC. Um, fan base is not comparable. <laughs> like people, people are complete psychopaths, like, down in the South. I love it. But, like, people, they're freaking crazy. It's good, but they're crazy. And in the Northeast, like, in, in Boston, I mean, it was the Patriots, right? So, like, if you weren't Tom Brady, you know, which I, I really appreciated, the fact that I could, you know, go out to a bar and have a drink with my buddy and not be looking over my shoulder. Um, and then as far as, like, kind of life-wise, it was, it was wonderful for me. I think growing, growing up in Kentucky um, and, like, having a desire to play at UK, you know, your whole life, um, you know, like you said, winning Mr. Football and, you know, gosh, all those awards and you go and 
you play and it's really, really good. And, you know, like I've said many times before, you get all the credit and it's awesome. And it was kind of, you know, I'd never been out of Kentucky my whole life. Um, and this was an opportunity for me to see somewhere else and which kind of just kind of start fresh, which is, I feel like what I needed. Um, and yeah, and it was, it was wonderful. Boston's a crazy place. Um, it's a lot different than Lexington, Kentucky, but uh, it certainly is. Yeah. But just, it was just a, a really good opportunity for me personally to kind of get out. I mean, Kentucky will always be home for me. Um, but just getting to really be away from my parents, um, be away from family and just kind of like find myself by myself was awesome. Um, so can you just kind of, I guess, uh, since talking about uh, kind of your Boston College days, kind of what was it like to play for a different coach and comparing that with what Mark Stoops' like play style was and kind of the discrepancy in the offenses you ran at Kentucky versus Boston College? Yeah, absolutely. So at Kentucky, we run the spread, you know, more of a – I mean, the same offense that Neil's running at West Virginia. Um, and then when we got to uh, – when I got to Boston College, I ran the post-style system, you know, multiple tight ends set with Coach Leffler, who's now the head, head coach at, um, at Bowling Green in Ohio. So, yeah, I think um, more under center stuff, obviously, at Boston College. You know, I, I, our plays were a lot longer, right? You know, I mean, I had 15 more plays at BC, at Kentucky. They were about three or four. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, it, yeah, it was definitely more tailored towards the NFL, I think, at Boston College, you know my transition to training camp with the Texans was a lot smoother because I spent time at BC and I knew the verbiage and I knew how to play in a huddle. Um, and I knew how to, to change protection and, and remike and, and do all these things schematically that I didn't know how to do when I was at Kentucky because we didn't have to right? John Toth who's with, I think he's still with New York now with the jets handled all that stuff for me. Um, he was a mechanical engineer and, I was like, you're smarter than me. <laughs> Coach Love was like, you know, I'm going to teach you how to do it, and you're going to do it. Uh, and, and I did like that better just because it was like, you know, I had kind of all of the control, um, which, you know, was, yeah, I think being, you know, 22 and playing, you know, almost five seasons in college football, I think I had the, the experience to do something like that. I just want to ask you if you've ever had, or if you can kind of describe – your strangest fan experience, either whether it be uh, <laughs> you're in high school or college, like describe yeah. the strangest fan experience you've had where you're like, did that really just happen? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't to me, uh, but I was sitting there. Just fan day is just weird. I mean, you got like with kids, it's cool. We wouldn't get like 55 year old men like running to get in line to get you out of there. <laughs> that kind of spat a little bit, but we're sitting there and and all the quarterbacks, we we have we've got a really good relationship. Like I still talk to Morgan Maxwell and Reese Phillips and um, Drew and all those guys. We we talk a lot. <laughs> we were sitting there, and it was, it was I think going into 2015, um, and this guy comes up with an envelope. Right, I'm sitting next to Drew. It's, it's, he he gets by me, hands an envelope an envelope to Drew. Well, naturally, you think like envelope, okay. Like, this guy's handing somebody cash, and, like, of course, all their clients, people are like, what's that? What's that? And they were pictures of this guy's daughter that he was, like, like trying to, like, the fad castle to uh, to Drew on, like, oh, yeah, like, these are, here's her number. Here's the pictures. Like, you should call. And I'm sitting here like, oh, my gosh. And, and Drew was like, did that just happen? Like... 
I don't know. He was like, should I call? I said, no, you shouldn't call her. Like, look where her dad is. Like, don't do that. Like, you know, that was just like, what? So, yeah, I would say that's probably the, I haven't told that story. So, yeah, that's probably the, probably the weirdest thing that's, that's ever happened to me as, as a boy. It didn't happen to me, praise the Lord, but it happened to somebody next to me. <laughs> All right, so. Say y'all are uh, on your way doing a away game, you know, you're on the bus, wherever. You, you're getting a little, hum, a little hungry, feeling a rumble in your tummy. You need a little pick-me-up, so you stop at a gas station. What's your go-to gas station snack? I'm going to say um, Frito, the Honey Barbecue Twists. You're my uh, man, man. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's been snacking on those already. <laughs> yeah, I would say probably those. That's spectacular. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, going back to uh, training camp, and you're training with the Houston Texans, and somewhere I read you even did tight end drills for Cincinnati. What was that? Like? What was just the entire training camp experience like? Yeah. Well, one really training camp. I mean, people people are, people always tell me, or like when sometimes when they introduce me, like. As NFL experience, I'm like, it was three days, you know, like rookie in the camp of the Texas was three days. So, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was wild, man. You know, you, the, the whole draft process is crazy. I went down to South Florida to train for the draft and then my agent was like 50, 50 shot. You get drafted, definitely get signed. I'm like, great. Awesome. Right. Don't get drafted. Um, I ran super well at my pro day. So I was like 245 and I ran like four, five, one or four, five, two in, all these scouts were like, hey, will you run routes? And I was like, sure, like I'll run routes. And Chargers came up, worked me out as a tight end, ran super well. They flew me out for a visit, met all their coaches, it went well. Um, and I was operating from the standpoint of like, okay, like if I get drafted, I'll do whatever you told me to do. Like you want me to play kicker, like I'll kick, like I'll play defensive line, like I don't care, right? Mm-hmm. So like the way rookie minicamp is, like people can come like on a tryout basis. And, like, if they want to sign you, they can sign you. So I had an opportunity to do that in Houston, or I could have done that in Los Angeles as a tight end. It was just like, you know, I would rather, you know, base three days on my future on playing quarterback because I've done it my whole life than go on a flyer and maybe go play tight end somewhere. Um, Get to Houston, um, you know, play quarterback the first two days with Deshaun. Um, I mean, they had Tom Savage and Kirk Cousins. Not Kirk Cousins, sorry, um, Brandon Whedon. I was like, well, you know, I assume they'll keep four quarterbacks for the summer and then they'll get down to, you know, two and practice squad one. I'm like, great. Well, that was not the case, um, obviously. Um, but I had a meeting with Bill O'Brien. Um, he was like, yeah, hey, we're only going to keep three quarterbacks. You know, we want to move you around. We know you ran super well. Uh, this entire stuff did super well, but they already signed a couple. So um, and it's funny. Actually, really, all my workouts after my pro day – Falcons, Colts. It's funny they all flew to Paris, Kentucky to work me out as a tight end, which was hilarious. Taking these like coaches, huh. to Lil's Cafe for breakfast down the street. But yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, so did that, and then um, had some tryouts. Almost played professional football in Japan, um, which they play for the Rice Bowl. Which I kid you not, that's the Super Bowl. They call it the Rice Bowl, which I think that joke tells itself. And then, yeah. and now I'm trying to get back into it. So. All right, two questions. 
Mm-hmm. How many times do people mispronounce your name, your last name, call you Towels? Yeah. And who gave you the nickname Patty Ice? Because that is a cool nickname. I wish I had it. Uh, I would say growing up a lot more, I got my name mispronounced. Um, people from Kentucky don't do it anymore. But like, like I'm finishing my master's right now at BC, like both my teachers said Towels. And then um, like when I worked, I worked in Louisiana last year and it was all Towels. And I, I try to tell people, I was like, how do you spell Towels? And they're like, T-O-W-E-L-S. I was like, well, how do you spell my last name? T-W-L-E-S. And I was like, okay, well, you can see that there's a difference. So <laughs> not, as much, not as much anymore, especially here like at home, because people you know, know our last name. And then my nickname, um, so when I was in high school, I just, so Chris Collinsworth, right, the NBC announcer, he was, um, he's from where I'm from. Um, at least his family lives where I'm from in Fort Thomas. And I played with both of his sons at Highlands. His older brother, or sorry, his oldest son, Austin, played another name. Uh, he was two years older than me. And then his youngest son, Jack, was a year younger than me. So Jack gave me that nickname um, just because of Matt Ryan, which I later found out that Matt Ryan got it from Natural Light, which I did not put those two, two together. And then it just worked out that when I got to BC, I got to meet Matt um, and got to talk to him a bunch so that was a that was a funny that was it was a nice conversation starter we get all sorts of nuggets with those types of questions <laughs> yeah exactly right i like those uh so during your time at uk you had some uh memorable performances kind of what what's the the one like moment or play or drive that stands out to you um i'm gonna take a stab and say it might be the south carolina game at home but is there any game or moment in particular that just is prominent in your memory? Um, yeah, I would say probably the drive to kind of put the Missouri game away um, in 2015. I just played the worst game of my life against Florida the week prior. And, like, you know, it was awful, right? So, like, that entire week you're, like, telling yourself you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. Like, you can't play, all these kind of things. And then so there's just so much that went into that game. And, um I think, yeah, we were up, I think maybe four or five, and then went, you know, 95 yards, and I threw a touchdown to Dorian in the back right corner of the end zone. Um, virtually the same play that we dodged the biggest bullet of our lives against Eastern. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. so I would say I would say probably that one. The Missouri drive, um, it was in the fourth quarter when we put the game away, um, and I think they were like 23rd or 24th in the country. Yeah, so they, were, that, they were ranked that game, yeah. Yeah. All right, so I saw recently on your Instagram where you got uh, added to the XFL player draft pool. Um, what are your hopes with that? Well, I hope to play. Um, so last year, I was, a, I was actually a missionary at LSU, right? So when I, when I signed up to be a missionary at LSU, I kind of I told the Lord, told myself, to my family that I was like, yeah, I'm done. Um, it was a hell. It was a hell of a ride. I really enjoyed it. I'll get back into coaching later, but but I'm done playing. Um, and it was funny. Like two months in to being at LSU, my agent says, "Hey, this Alliance League is coming. You know, people are calling me. Are you interested?" And I'm like, "No. Like I know I'm supposed to be here. Like this is what I want to do. I'm good. Right." So I got to work with the football team at LSU. Right. So like you know, I've got Bible study with all these receivers, and they're asking me to come throw at the indoor. And I'm like, man, this is a lot of fun. Like, I miss this a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But it was like, you know, like I'm supposed to be here. And I was like, you know, if there's another opportunity that comes, great. And I think towards the end of the year, kind of this XFL stuff was kind of picking up. And uh, my agent was under the impression that I wasn't playing. So I kind of put out some feelers to him of like, hey, what's it looking like? He's like, well, this is an opportunity if you want it. I was like, all right, well, I'll get back to you. And I think in probably March, I kind of made the decision of like, all right, let's do it. Like, sell out, let's do it. And um, yeah, so I went um, I went to a, a regional combine in Atlanta. Um, it's funny, I hadn't seen Boom Williams in like three years. And I'm walking down the steps into Georgia, Georgia State Stadium. He said, Patty Ice, is that you? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> so I go to that and I throw a well. Right. But the competition is, you know, and there's 45 year olds there that are making their Vince Papali runs. And, and all that <laughs> but it went well. Um, so from that, I got an invite to this XFL combine in New Jersey, like the showcase, whatever they have in New Jersey. Um, so I went to that in June and then did did really well at that, ran well through well. Um, and then from there, it's just been kind of this kind of waiting of. I mean, they're going to draft like 560 players. So, like, I I don't know if I'll get drafted. I assume that I will um, at least get an opportunity. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I get on a team, um, get in the fall, and, you know, can make some plays and play some more football. What influenced your decision to become a missionary? I had read about that, and I just – that's a very fulfilling life, and I just wanted to commend you on it and ask what influenced you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a, yeah, I mean, gosh, that's a, I could probably answer that and it might take me four or five days to give you the full answer, but I'll give you the skinny. So, um, yeah, I would say I had a, had a radical reversion back to the Catholic church when I was in college. Um, you know, I, I, what I tell people all the time is I achieved every dream that I ever wanted, um, growing up, you know, whether it's women or parties or athletically, academically, like I had done it all. Um, and they're just like, yeah, like this cannot be it. Right? There's got to be something more. And um, yeah, found that um, in, in in Jesus. Um, just like, okay, like this is this is really, really, really what it's all about. Um, and I think, yeah, and I think the opportunity to to use kind of my athletic experience to tell these football players at LSU, like they can all tell you, we just we just had some funny, funny conversations, but just of telling these guys of like, okay, like I've experienced literally everything that you've experienced. You know what I mean? Like we are on the same level and this is who I've dedicated my entire being to my entire life to. Um, and this is why you should too. Right. And just, uh, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Um, I grew so much and, um, and yeah, you know, I, I, I grew up a lot. Um, and yeah, just the Lord was calling me to, to something crazy. He doesn't call everything to, to something crazy, but, you know, following the Lord, right, in in this world, right, is crazy. Um, I mean, you look and you see how crazy this world is. I mean, it is, I mean, try to keep it as PG as possible, but it is, you know, bonkers, right, the things that are happening. Like, you know, they're just the idea of truth has gone down the toilet. Yeah, yeah like, what's true for Absolutely. you is true for me, all these kind of things. And it's just like, no, no, no. Like, I believe that there is truth. Um, and just, yeah, I know that might not be keeping it short, but just the, the opportunity to share that with athletes who so desperately need it, um, as I did, was, was awesome. 
Well, facts and skills like these that I read about are my favorite. You've learned to play the harmonica. How good are you at it? Not good. So Not let me good. tell you a little story about that. Okay, so four or five years ago, my mom bought me a harmonica for Christmas. I was like, awesome. You know, we're in training camp. You can't go out. It was like, I'm going to learn how to do something. So like I taught myself how to play, right? And then I just like stopped playing, right? And I still play sometimes, not a, not a whole lot. So like I can hang, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, shred it on stage. That's for sure. But yeah. Um, so harmonica, I would say subpar. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure how much uh, you've kept up or been able to watch uh, the Kentucky football team in the past uh, year or so, but uh, what have you seen from Terry specifically kind of leading the offense, and how do you think they'll do the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I love Terry. I think he's awesome. Um, I'm, I haven't met him in person. We've talked over the phone a couple times. Um, yeah, I think he's great. Um, I think he's great for the school. Um, I think he brings a lot of different things to the table that a lot of you know, defenses have to defend. Anytime your quarterback can run the ball effectively like he can, it just kind of adds a different dimension. Um, and really nowadays, that's kind of like a you can't run. It's kind of, you know, it really hurts you more so than it did, you know, in the, maybe not necessarily in NFL, but definitely in college. I think it's more beneficial to have a, a running quarterback. Um, and I think, too, like once he settled into – I mean, he played – I thought he played great against, uh, against Toledo, I you know, everybody has an opinion, and some people that shouldn't have an opinion have an opinion, uh, or maybe aren't qualified to have an opinion have an opinion, and that's fine. That's okay the way it goes. But anybody who knows things about football knows that he played a good game. Um, missed a couple throws, but who doesn't miss throws, you know? So um, poised. I mean, at the end of the day, he was the first quarterback to be Florida in 31 years. So, you know, I'm – I'm not going to gripe about it. Um, and I think this year, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, anytime you lose the school's all-time leading rusher in our, you know, and a guy like Josh, that's hard. Um, of course, we had some injuries in the back end to like in training camp stuff that will hurt us. But, gosh, I mean, after this first week on a football and seeing, you know, the, the lacklusterness of the SEC East, I am a lot – I mean, I was confident even before this weekend – and then now I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, uh, Louisville made me a little nervous in the first half of last night. But um, then they were Louisville and everything was fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think definitely, like, I'm, I'm confident that, that we'll be okay. We got to get Tennessee back. They just lost to Georgia State. They're not good. We have yeah, to get them back. I mean, they were, yeah, gosh, they were 2-10. and 10. They were 2-10 and 10 last year, right? Right? Yeah. Or Jeremy Pruitt. Oh man! <laughs> All right. So I wanted to I wanted to ask you if you have any anything that you know about Mark Stoops that the general public wouldn't know, or any any stories like halftime rants or anything <laughs> that you want to share. Yeah, I would say, gosh, he was he was wonderful. Gosh, I mean, any any coach. I'd be shocked if he was in a meeting in the morning without a Starbucks in his hand. He would always go to that high street Starbucks. <laughs> You'd ever want to find him and like in the mornings and he's not at the facility. I'm sure he's at the Starbucks. Um, gosh, he drives a really nice Mercedes, man. That's a sweet car. Um, I think too, like he really, he really cares about his guys. I mean, gosh, like I, so 
I called him in June because his brother Bob is the head coach of the team in Dallas. Um, and I, I talked to him briefly. You know, I didn't leave Kentucky on bad terms, right? But I think there was some people were probably rubbed the wrong way. He was not. He did everything he could to help me get to Boston College. And, and I have nothing but positive things to say about him. Um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm glad he got that extension. Um, the, uh, the Starbucks thing, there was somebody that did. Gosh, who was it? I don't know. We had one, like in training camp, we had, we had like a, a skit thing, and somebody did an impression of him, which was the most like spot on thing that I've ever heard. Oh, you remember Stephen Borden? Yes. Mm-hmm. Stephen Borden that played at Kentucky. He did the most like, like you close your eyes, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's two Coach Dukes in the room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he was fun, man. He would let us play, you know. You know, we had White Blood Wednesdays, and he let us play Kid Rock and, you know, Nickelback just to piss off a bunch of everybody else on the team. <laughs> he's a good, he's a really good guy. Um, yeah, they're in good hands. I just want uh, – I had also read – I've done a lot of reading on you. Uh, you come from a certain line of success with your grandfather being Hall of Fame pitcher Jim Bunning. I just want to ask, what was it like looking up to somebody at that caliber – yeah, I think growing up, I didn't really realize it. Um, you know, it was just grandpa. And then as you start to have success athletically, you know, and people start, like, bringing that up, you're like, oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I think just kind of the operating from, like, you know, a lot of times, like, you kind of wonder, like, is this possible? Like, can somebody really be, like, one of the best ever? Like, you look at him and, like, second in strikeouts when he retired, like, I think the only pitcher in Major League history to throw a no-hitter in both leagues. Um, I mean, threw a no-hitter at Fenway Park. Um, a perfect game on Father's Day when he's a father of seven. Like, just did some incredible things. And it's like, I think it just made it, just made it seem accessible. Um, he would never talk about it unless I, of course, I asked him all these questions, of course. Um, and we, he, he passed away probably two, I think, yeah, about two years ago. Um, and it was amazing just to see the, you know, yeah, I think athletically he had a ton of success. And, of course, he was a U.S. senator and, and Congress for a long time. But just seeing the all the people that I never knew that just had all these incredible stories about him, like what they did for him and people that I had never met, I think the fact that he had on the state and his family, um, I think it was far beyond what he did on the field. But, you know, again, I think the stuff he did on the field sometimes allowed him to, to have that kind of effect on people later in his life. All right, so I got a question. Um, if there were four teammates of yours that you could have by your side during, like, a zombie apocalypse, who would you pick? Number one would be Zach West, um, the Lexington police officer now. Um, he was about 320 when he played guard. Now he's about 250 and looks like a bodybuilder. And I've seen him do horrible things to defensive linemen. Um, he would be definitely number one. Um, I'd say Charles Walker is another guy. Hey, we, we had him uh, on an interview. He was our last one. Yeah, he's a he's a fossil guy. Um, I think Darren Blaylock. Um, he's actually on The Bachelorette this year. Funny enough. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. no way! Yeah, same guy. Um, wow. But Darren, Darren would Darren would be our kind of our positive kind of positivity guy that could 
he could hold his own, but he would keep our outlook outlook good. Um, and then, gosh, probably Swindle. He was just mean. In the dorm freshman year, and I was in his wedding. And again, oh, he's in actually in medical school now. Um, he would be probably the brains of our operation as well. Um, so I'd say Swindle, Zach, and, and, and Blaylock for sure. All right, we'll close with this. I don't know if you knew Jared Lorenzen personally, but basically followed in his footsteps playing at Highlands as he did, as well as quarterback at UK. Um, and then the unfortunate passing a couple months ago. Was he a mentor to you at all? Did you know him? Or what was it like uh, just just yeah, being was, around him? Yeah, he was a really good friend. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was July was tough for sure, I think. Um, you know, growing up, I think in the story, somebody called me and asked me about him, I think about two or three days after he passed. But you know, growing up, um, you know, being a Kentucky fan, he was it. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. this is the guy. You know, in Kentucky, too, it's like this is all we – football and basketball is the only show in town. You know, he was just a mammoth of a man that was just like a – not divine, but kind of like just had this aura about him. You know what I mean? And then um, – he was my high school quarterback coach for a year. Um, I still have a note in my scrapbook of after a game when I was a sophomore of him writing me a note with his number on it that said, hey, he thought I had potential. He'd love, you know, to work with me. And that was probably, you know, as a 16-year-old kid, the, the most incredible thing that could ever happen to you. Um, so I still have that note. I look at it often. Um, and I think having that experience with him and then going to college um, and then, yeah, playing at Kentucky and, Again, you know, drawing those comparisons with him, I think, you know, definitely an honor. And I think I've said this a lot, but, you know, if you've never met him, um, you'll remember him for all of, all of his athletic prowess. I mean, the stats speak for themselves, but I think knowing him personally, just the kind of guy that he was. And um, one of my best friends now, um, Mitch Meyer, he was our long snapper at Highlands. And when he came to Kentucky, he was our equipment manager. And... Jared, every time he came, like, would go into the equipment room and talk to Mitch. Every time. Like, not the cameras, like, not even me, the quarterback, right? Like, straight to Mitch. And um, he just cared about everybody. Um, he cared about the equipment guys, the water people, the med- the medical staff. And, and, yeah, so I think, you know, gosh, I mean, he's got – he has a daughter. I think that – I think Taylor will be a freshman at Kentucky this year. Um, and Tayden, who's an eighth grader. And, yeah, I think just – Gosh, seeing how he treated people um, and how much people loved him for it, um, I think definitely is, is the impact that he made on me. But just an incredible man. And, yeah, obviously too soon for sure. But um, I look forward to the Arkansas game where Terry will be wearing 22. Absolutely. All right, man. I think that I think that wraps it up. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's anything else I can do for you all, you all just let me know. Awesome, man. Sure. See you guys. See ya. See ya. So, guys, you want to go to a Kentucky game? We just went to one three days ago. Exactly. And you want to know where I got my ticket, Chad? Seat Geek. And guess what? I used our own code, too. I got $20 off because I used our code, FTSPOD. It was incredible. All I did, I just clicked on the app, went in there, looked at, looked at some seats, picked Section 208. I was like, oh, that's the seat I want. Well, what am I going to use? FTSPOD. Put it in, got $20 off. Had a great time. So go on there and use code FTSPOD.
And that concludes another episode of the From the Sidelines podcast. A special thanks to Patrick Tolls for coming on and having an excellent interview. Please be sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Patty underscore Ice underscore eight. And while you're at it, follow our podcast at the FTS Pod and send any emails or questions you may have to the FTS Pod at gmail.com. Bye, have a great time. Bye, have a great time.